Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. Hi, it's Carrie. In this week's episode, Sonia describes the simple, lovely cakes that her grandmother would make just in case someone dropped by, which also reminded me that my grandmother always kept a sweet treat on her countertop as well. I confess I don't often bake because the process can feel tedious to me, but in this episode, Sonia offers a simplified approach to making these snacking cakes that left me feeling excited to go into the kitchen and bake. Ultimately, she helped me see a path to making homemade desserts that feels possible and even fun. For me, that's one of the many reasons I'm so grateful for our friendship. Keep listening to hear all about snacking cakes and easy homemade desserts. Hey, Sonia. Hi, Carrie. Well, as usual, I'm excited to chat, and I'm also feeling like I need some ground rules for this conversation. I think that's a good idea. And maybe we're coming at it from two different angles, so it's good to hear what the ground rules are. Totally. So we're going to talk about simpler desserts, but in that category, we're going to talk about snacking cake. To me, when I'm approaching this episode, I'm thinking like, what are the easiest unfussy desserts that like you might have sitting on your counter for your family or for like an unexpected drop in? I kind of just want to preface this with when I started cooking, I found baking so intimidating. I think we talked about this before. It it felt kind of restrictive. Like if you didn't follow things exactly right, then it wouldn't turn out. Especially when you're cooking professionally and baking, the stakes are higher. Like you don't want to mess it up. But even at home, like it doesn't feel good to throw out a batch of something because it doesn't work out. So I am approaching this too of like the things I started making that got me more comfortable with the whole category of desserts. Well, I really like the word unfussy that you used because I think that's really how I approach dessert. As you know, and as I've been really transparent about in this space, like I am not a person who's going to make a six layer fancy cake with like homemade frosting. It's just not my vibe at all. But I think to your point about, especially when I first started cooking professionally, there were definitely instances and expectations for a simpler dessert. And so unfussy was always what I was looking for. I was always looking for something that didn't have to be like this fancy, presentable kind of thing, but felt more homey and accessible. Right. And I love this framing that you offered of like a snacking cake that you just have in case someone drops by, which like would literally never happen at my house. (laughs) I would never just be like, oh, I'm just going to make a cake in case someone like wanders by my house and wants a cup of tea and a slice of cake. But why don't we um, have more of that? By the way, hashtag goals. Right. (laughs) um, I do feel like my grandma just always had like cakes like this around. And I feel like people did stop by, but even the people, stopping by sometimes were us. Okay. Even if it's like a fictional stopping by, there's just sometimes you want like an unfussy treat in the house. And I think also for my clients, to your point, like they didn't want a four layer wedding cake for dinner. You know, they wanted a slice of banana bread to take in the morning, or they wanted pear chocolate chunk cake for them. You know, things that were kind of simpler, but still felt homey and loving and 
Well, I'm glad you brought up your grandmother because like she was definitely a part of our conversation about this idea. And, you know, my grandmother too had some of these items. Like she always made zucchini bread and sort of those quick bread, banana bread kind of ideas. But my grandmother would also always have like a coffee cake at her house. Well, hold on. Because I feel like there was an episode where I learned your definition of coffee cake and my definition of coffee cake were two (laughs) totally different things. So what kind of coffee cake are you talking about? Well, the coffee cake that she would have was more, it's actually less in the snacking cake category and more in kind of like a thin cross between like a pastry and a sort of cakey bread. I think the general idea of coffee cake is like that Entenmann's like crumb cake, right? Like, is that what people kind of generally think about? And every Jewish person I know thinks of coffee cake as either Entenmann's or or like a sour cream cake that has like the the brown sugar middle layer and the sugary crumb topping yes which you would call like i would also call like a crumb cake. i would never call that a crumb cake see like to me but you're right it is a crumb cake i'm not saying because crumb cake's wrong i'm just saying like in my world in my existence that has only ever been coffee cake what would you describe as a crumb cake? I didn't even exist outside of a coffee cake. I mean, there was this one thing, and this sort of falls into this category. My grandmother always made these kind of crumb bars. They're kind of like jam bars, and I feel like they exist in all different places. And sometimes I think they're called streusel bars, but basically it's a layer of buttery dough that's kind of stiff on the bottom, and then a layer of jam or preserves, and then a layer of these, you know, balls of crumbs that are just basically butter, like sugar, and flour, right. like a strudel but she made that a lot that was like one of the table cakes and I just want to define snacking cake for a second because I think it will help us too because I looked it up after I was like is what I call a snacking cake like what everyone calls a snacking cake and what I learned looking it up is like there's kind of different definitions like not everyone shares the same way apparently the one thing that everyone agrees on is that it's an unfussy cake that it's the kind of cake you throw together easily typically in one bowl and the other thing that defines a snacking cake is there's no icing. There's no yeah. complication. So to me, things that fall into this category are certainly the banana breads, zucchini breads. You know, those are technically quote unquote breads, but we all know they're right. cakes. Right. But also things like a simple apple cake, or actually I even think of your pudding cake as a snacking cake. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that because I was thinking about that too. I think one of my other questions about like the defining of this piece is in the technique. Because for me, as you know, I think that my standing mixer, my KitchenAid is really beautiful. And it's like a really beautiful thing to look at in my kitchen. (laughs) I don't use it. And so unfussy means that I don't actually have to get that out and like dust it and wash it before I use it. And so there are some of these cakes, like if you're making a banana bread, a lot of banana bread recipes ask you to cream the butter and the sugar. I would never. I am so in agreement with you. I would never do that for a banana bread. That to me is unthinkable. There's no, to me, in any snacking cake recipe, you're making it in one bowl with a wooden spoon or a whisk. That's it. You're not, there's like literally you could make it with a stick from the yard. Like you're, I, I just feel like it has to be the most minimal involvement. Well, I mean, in the Midwest, a lot of these cakes then are called like a dump cake. I think we're using these sort of funny words and are talking about food, like creaming and (laughs) dump cakes. But I think the whole idea of it being unfussy and in one bowl and not multiple bowls and not a bowl of flour that you're like gently tipping into your KitchenAid and whatever, that just feels like too much work to me. And to me, this is what most of our 
grandmothers, if we had grandmothers or grandparents who liked to bake, this is the way they baked. They weren't typically, they didn't even have necessarily kitchen aids, you know? So it was like- My grandmother didn't have, she had a a hand mixer. I kind of want to start with one that is really hers and- I've done videos on it in my in my Instagram, and so people who follow that will know what I'm talking about. But apple charlotka, you just peel a bunch of apples, you throw them into the bottom of a cake tin, then you make a batter. And this is one of the things I love most about it. You don't use any baking powder, baking soda. It's just eggs, sugar, and flour, basically. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about a dish that's like five ingredients. And the hardest part of it is that you have to like beat the eggs for a little while so like you, cause you want them to have like a lot of air and robustness. Yeah. yeah. So you need a whisk, but, or you can use an electric hand mixer if you don't want to get out your KitchenAid and you don't want to whisk forever. And then you just pour that batter over the fruit. That's all you need because the eggs act as the leavener. And then you have this very simple cake and I love to dust it with powdered sugar. That's just like a layer of apples, a layer of very like kind of almost pancakey cake. Yeah. You no, know, it's so simple. It's a year round thing that you can make. To me, that I understood when I started making it why that was the thing she always had in her kitchen. Because it probably for her, it just, she didn't even ever consult a recipe anymore. It became this thing that she did by feel and, you know, whatever apples that she had, she was just cutting them up and putting them into a pan and making this batter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how I view this pudding cake idea that that I definitely relied on a lot when I was working as a personal chef. It had one sort of extra step, which was we preferred the blueberry pudding cake. So kind of cooking, minimally cooking those blueberries until they were like saucy was the extra step that we would do. But I also came across sort of a hybrid of what you just said and what I just said, which is like this applesauce cake where you kind of just boil apples a little bit and sort of mash them. And then you let them cool a little bit and then mix up the batter and then dump that into a cake pan. And then that's it. Yeah. You can do that with pre-made applesauce too. Like you don't have to make your own applesauce. (laughs) I prefer to make things when I can, but I think like applesauce cake is a great example. Um, There's a whole category of honey and spice cakes that are all one bowl cakes that I make a lot in the fall. And I have a riff on them. Like I kind of developed what I called Itzimus cake, which is based on this Jewish recipe of honey sweetened carrots and sweet potatoes. So basically I have like a one bowl carrot cake, but it's shredded sweet potato, shredded carrot. You throw that in a bowl. That's the hardest part. And then you're basically just adding all in one bowl, like the eggs, the flour, the sugar. Actually you add the shredded stuff at the end. So so excuse my order. And you just mix that all together. And it's all the joy of carrot cake, but without hardly any work. I mean, I would actually bake if like I had a little stash of of recipes like that. I guess, I think I've just lost that feel. That's just not really how my family operates in a way. But like I can grate a carrot, I can grate a sweet potato and mix up a batter and throw it in and have like a homemade dessert. That sounds beautiful. And it's like, especially in the fall and winter when like all you want is to feel warm. When your house smells like cinnamon and nutmeg and clove and you know, the honey cake is similar and and you can gussy it up too. Because what I love about a snacking cake is you could keep it as simple as 
what you throw in the bowl and what comes out of the pan. But then you could do like just one extra step. You could grate some orange zest, mix that with some powdered sugar and water, and you have like an orange zest glaze that you drizzle over your cake. And it's just become extra pretty and fancy, but literally you didn't have to even get out a mixer. You just took a fork in a bowl. Yeah. And it, it feels really special. I think that's what I always felt with my grandmother too, is that when she would come to our house with like a zucchini bread or we would sort of stop in to see them and there would always be the local bakery coffee cake on their counter. <laughs> you know, that just felt different than my house where we we didn't necessarily always have those things. Was there um, something your mom would always make over and over that was easy though? Yeah, there was. Per the sort of Midwest way, my mom was really thoughtful about always having like a little dessert most days. And little dessert in our family usually meant a little bowl of jello or a little bowl of instant pudding with bananas or strawberries. You know, my dad grew up on a farm. They they put up a lot of their fruit and things for the winter. They had like a pear tree. And so we would eat fruit cocktail from a can. Not from the tree? My family, I didn't grow up with a pear tree. My dad did. So that was kind of like his mode of like, we would have pear with like a little maraschino cherry. Poached pear is a very underrated, easy dessert. Totally. Very, very underrated and very easy to make. Yeah. And it was never that sweet. Yeah. You know, my, we would have something a little sweet, but not too sweet. One of my favorite things on earth is a poached pear. And then if you wanted to gussy it up, having like a creme anglaise or like a very soft whipped cream. One of the things I was thinking about was summer strawberries that you dip in like a creme fraiche and then put like a little bit of sugar on. Thinking about showcasing a fruit that's already sweet with something that's just like a little bit rich is always a nice addition. Well, can we go back to instant puddings? Because I want to talk about two easy desserts that relate to instant pudding, actually. You know, I'm not a big jello or instant pudding person, but this recipe that I developed a few years ago, I am kind of obsessed obsessed with. And I think it's like a big cheat for tiramisu because what's great about tiramisu is that you don't have to actually bake anything. It's just an assembly dish, but you do have to like use raw egg yolks. It's just a whole process. And I don't, and sometimes you have kids or pregnant people over and you don't want to be serving them raw egg yolks. So this to me has like all the flavors of tiramisu. You basically take Greek yogurt, milk, pudding powder mix, like so just regular vanilla pudding mix, and you mix that all together. And then you take thin cookies. So I use something called tea biscuits, which are like very plain, flat, very airy, but you could really do this with any kind of great thin cookie. And then you dip them in some kind of liquid, in this case, coffee or tea, and you layer one layer of like dipped cookies. And then you do a layer of this Greek yogurt pudding powder mix with milk. Then you do another. So basically you just layer it until you fill a dish and then you refrigerate it. And then I just sprinkle cocoa powder over the top. Somehow it's so much easier than tiramisu. I don't know. I love that idea of using a yogurt. And that's something that I've discovered too later in life. I grew up in like the 80s and 90s when the fat-free craze was happening. So that was something that we engaged in, like low-fat, fat-free yogurt. But as I've like discovered, I would call them like the the dessert yogurts, you know, that are really rich, full fat. Like Elenos, like the fancy Greek yogurt. Elenos, yes. The passion fruit, Elenos. Just that with a little bit of fresh fruit to me is a perfect It dessert. is its own dessert. And have you ever seen those things that people do? This is just one extra step. There's this trend of like yogurt it's mark. It's totally a TikTok trend. <laughs> 
Wait, let I'm me, so excited. Let to me hear fill this. you in on all the on the dessert TikTok trends. Wow. Speaking of Jello, one of the big dessert tre- um, TikTok trends is to basically take a packet of Jello and take grapes and toss the grapes in Jello, and then you freeze them, and then they become like frozen sour candies. Freezing, Top. yeah, and freezing Jello is its own whole category. Like people what? make their Jello, then they cut it into cubes and they freeze those cubes, and then it becomes this like crazy, like crystallized texture. But this isn't a Jello trend. This is a yogurt thing that I've seen a lot, which is basically people take a yogurt, they spread it on parchment on a sheet pan, then they top it with cut up fruit and maybe chocolate chips or some nuts. And then they freeze that. And then they kind of like right before serving, just break it up into shards. So it's chocolate bark, but it's yogurt bark. And Oh, that sounds great. I know, actually, I don't think that sounds bad at all. No, that it almost sounds like the modern version of what my mom was always trying to give us. We would have like that instant jello pudding and you would just take a whisk and you would whisk in milk, vanilla or chocolate and then there would always she'd always have some fruit. And and sometimes our fruit was as basic as a banana sliced with a little bit of chocolate pudding and that was a banana nut. with chocolate pudding, not vanilla. Interesting. Yeah. Or banana with vanilla well, pudding. Well, speaking of bananas and puddings, that's the other of my favorite easy desserts, which is a yeah. banana pudding. And by the yeah. way, it was one of the first things I ever made Jonathan. He credits it with like me um, trapping him in our marriage. I'm kidding. I didn't trap him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. Part of the seduction was like very early on in our relationship. I quote unquote threw down. We had like a super yeah, I, we had a Super Bowl party and I made this brisket and wing. I made all this stuff. But Jonathan's favorite dessert of all time is banana pudding. So for dessert, I made banana pudding. And by the way, side note, we serve banana pudding at our wedding because it is. But I made banana pudding for scratch for that. But if you took just instant banana pudding and you mix it with a bunch of sliced bananas and you fold in some whipped cream or even Cool Whip, you know, I'm be quiet, right. but even that. And yeah. then you um, layer it between vanilla wafers. That's banana pudding. That is my mom definitely made that. There were definitely desserts like that where you would layer in Cool Whip and some kind of jello pudding and then some kind of wafers. There are all kinds of those. What's another one that's not banana that do you can you think we, of one? We would call them icebox cake. Do you consider that like an, an unfussy dessert? About icebox Midwestern icebox cakes before I but um again, I do think of it overall as unfussy. I don't think it's quite as unfussy as throwing things in a bowl and sticking in the oven because usually yeah. with an icebox cake, there's some kind of assembly, but I just gave you a bunch of examples of assembly-based desserts. But I do think assembly-based desserts are unfussy, right? Because it's just like, I'm taking yeah. some stuff in the world, I'm making, throwing them together. And yeah, that took a little time, but I didn't, it was easy. Yeah, I mean, there was this one that I remember. It was called Strawberry Jello Pretzel Salad. Yes, I remember this one. You know this one? It's you take pretzels and you crush them up and you, you know, mix them with butter. And I can't remember if you if you actually bake it or if it's just buttery pretzels on. I think it's baked. And then it cools. And it this goes in like a rectangular pyrex. The next level is I think the strawberry jello with strawberries mixed into it. And then that cools and gets hard and then there's a layer of cream cheese mixed with Cool Whip and then there's Cool Whip on top. It sounds amazing but that sounds too fussy for me for this category because it's, kind of it, it's like I think if the one step is putting it in the fridge or the oven but it, whenever you've introduced like a two-step cooling process yeah. I think you've already taken it out of the easy category. Another yeah. one of my favorite easy desserts that I really do make a lot is chocolate dipped fruit. I think melting chocolate 
dipping fruit in it and I dip all kinds of fruits. I think that isn't a dessert that's such a crowd pleaser. It never fails and it literally takes five seconds. I'm so glad that you reminded me of chocolate dip fruit because I definitely grew up in high school dipping fresh strawberries in chocolate. But when you and I worked those retreats together in Ojai, the house that we were doing the retreat at had all these citrus trees, remember? And they offered to let us use the citrus. And you were like, let me show you this way that I like to dip citrus, dip oranges in chocolate. It's one of my signature moves. It's fresh be- oranges, not because yeah, everyone does dried oranges. And if you have a really good like cara cara or a thin skin, especially organic orange, you can eat the whole thing when it's dipped in chocolate. And it was like the word refreshing was the word that you used. I still remember what a revelation that experience was for me because I personally love a dried orange dipped in. That's one of the chocolates that I will always choose. Yeah. I also like the concentrated bitterness of it, but this is completely different. It's like so refreshing because you have that juice and then it's sweet and then it's kind of got the crunch from the the chocolate. It's not too sweet though. Like the way a dried fruit is just going to be inherently sweeter because like the sugars form differently. Yeah. Yeah. These sugars haven't like concentrated. So it's just a little sweetness, a little tartness and the sweetness in the chocolate. And I almost always sprinkle flake salt after I dip the chocolate oranges, a very small hint of salt. It really works. It sounds weird. And it sounds weird to be like, every time I serve it, people are like, wait, can I eat the whole thing? You can eat the whole thing and it it won't taste bitter. It just doesn't. It it tastes really fresh and it's chewy and it's juicy. And I think this was also the moment when you and I realized our love of milk chocolate. We were using dark chocolate and we were using milk chocolate and I just kept going into the fridge and eating them and stealing all the milk chocolate ones. And that's when I kind of had to confess that I like milk chocolate better than dark chocolate. This is where one of the places we really agreed. And I always dip it. When I do dip chocolate fruit, I tend to do both a milk chocolate and a dark chocolate option because having been a milk chocolate lover for so long, I feel like there's um, the tyranny of dark chocolate because everyone thinks dark chocolate superior. So sometimes you can't, but can I make a confession, Carrie? I feel like I've been hiding this from you for a long time. I have learned to love dark chocolate and it is starting to surpass my love of milk chocolate. Oh no. You've gone to the dark <laughs> I've side. Gone to the dark side. Because for years you and I were the same. We're like, we're not even touching dark chocolate. We don't care. We're a pro milk chocolate. And I don't know what happened. I like trained myself. I think because well, of the tyranny of dark chocolate, because it's everywhere. So tyrannical. Listen, I love a Hershey kiss like nobody's business. I like I think kiss. a milk chocolate Hershey kiss. Is there anything like one little Hershey kiss is all I kind of need. Yeah. You know? And there's a whole like category of candy bars where like, a dark chocolate version is unthinkable to me. I yeah. want a milk chocolate Kit Kat. I want a milk chocolate yeah. Reese's. I want a milk chocolate yeah. Snickers bar. I don't want a dark. I don't want a fancy version of those things. Yeah, but I will say, and and I think you've kind of reintroduced this idea to me, you have this penchant for picking out these really beautiful chocolate bars, many of which are kind of mixed with dried fruit or have like a really cool take on them. And I've received those as gifts from you for a long time. And to me, that feels like a really beautiful offering on like a weeknight or at the end of the week, you know, on a Friday night after dinner at home. This is something that we like to do in, in my house is get out one 
one or two nice chocolate bars, break them up, have some dried fruit, maybe some salty nuts, maybe some nuts that are spiced, the toasted maple pecan or something like that. And my friend Amelia, many years ago, who was kind of the first person introduced the idea of like making all these really great boards, like a, ch- a cheese board that has like way more than just like cheese and crackers on it. She would do the same thing for dessert. And there would be a couple of dried plums, a couple of dried oranges, a couple of different nuts, a couple of tiny cookies, or everybody just has like a little pick of, of those I items. love a dessert board. I love, yeah. I always have a stash of chocolate bars in my house at all times. And in fact, I feel like if I don't, there's, I like got to go to the store and get some because I don't need a ton of <laughs> sugar during, you know, especially I I like my desserts to be more special occasion now, but I love having squares of chocolate at the end of the day, like with a cup of tea, especially in the winter. And I also think in the rare event that someone just drops by unannounced (laughs) and you don't have time to throw together a snacking cake or don't feel like it, putting out some really nice chocolate and some dried fruit or some fresh fruit is a lovely dessert on a week. Going back to the melted chocolate dessert world, the other thing I do like to do is I like making chocolate barks which basically is just melting chocolate, putting it on a parchment lined baking sheet, and then throwing whatever toppings you want. So that could be sprinkles, chopped up nuts, dried fruit chopped up. That's so easy. And I could do that with Mac like on an afternoon. It's so fun for kids. It would draw him into the kitchen. It's funny. He cooked with me a lot when he was really little. We always had this stool. He would say, get a stool and cook with me. Like now I can't get him into the kitchen. And after working as a personal chef for a long time, and and almost every one of my clients was a family, the power of bringing kids into the world of food is through experience. And I've witnessed that for many, many years. And when I brought to you the My Kid Won't Eat Tofu challenge, Like, how do I get him to eat tofu? I think, you know, when you were saying make a chocolate bar, I could see him being really interested in that idea. I think Ina Garten was the one who made me hip to this because she was like, and then I just put it in a bag and I give it to my friends as a gift. (laughs) We used to kind of like drizzle nuts with chocolate and then eat them for snacks and things too. So I think it's just a matter of, this is why to reiterate like how much I love you and how much I love talking to you about food. And that's why we did this podcast, but no one ever has everything in the kitchen perfected. Even when you're on a roll in one direction, like right now I feel really good about my weekly cooking game, but like baking desserts like this is just, I'm so lazy. We have so many great bakeries. Like I always end up getting some cookies or some ice cream and we call it a day. And this is just a a different way to think about making these special, just almost creating an opportunity for someone to drop by your house and have some snacking cake or a little bit of chocolate bark or some chocolate dipped fruit or or an ice block cake that only takes a few steps instead of many steps. But yeah, (laughs) I mean, there's so many more. I feel like we could keep going, but Let's let's circle back to it another time. But before we go, I really want to know, is there something amazing that you cook this week? This week, actually, we I made a pot of white beans over the weekend. We love beans. And I cooked them with a little bit of white wine, uh, several Parmesan rinds, some rosemary, and some oregano. And we're having them for dinner tonight with some greens and some crusty bread. And Grandpa Rocky, who's my father-in-law, has been out of town for a few weeks, and he has just returned. And so we're having like a family dinner tonight. Oh, and how wonderful. Yeah. It's just, Happy I'm work. laughing because because mine's beans too. Um, I had, (laughs) I had some, uh, I happened to have some fresh cranberry beans, which you could also get dried. And then 
Like fresh cranberry beans that you found at the farmer's yeah, market? Yeah, I found some. Oh, wow. Basically, I don't know. I was like, what can I make that uses these beans and really like honors them? Because it's so fun to have like a fresh shelling bean. Because they don't, they don't, they take a lot less time. Yeah. The beans I cooked took like an hour and a half. They just kind of simmered while I was doing it. Yeah, fresh bean cooks in like yeah. 30 minutes instead 30 minutes. of an yeah. hour and a half. So I shelled the beans and then I just cooked down like a tremendous amount of onion and garlic, like an obscene amount of both, just in a lot of olive oil. I add the beans to that with a handful of cut cherry tomatoes, but you could also use tomato paste. And then chili flake. You need like a chili somehow, even if it's not spicy, just like a pinch to like bring out all that flavor. And then I added a really good veg broth. I let that simmer until they were tender. I tossed in a bunch of basil and then I served that over actually orzo. So it was like a broth bean stew served over oh, like a pasta God. it's so simple it's this is not a revelatory recipe but it was really the best thing we ate all week I mean that again makes me disappointed that I wasn't at your house when this was all happening or that we weren't neighbors that sounds so good I love that you use the word obscene to describe the amount of onions and garlic that you put in because I think that's what makes those it's like that's the foundation of a dish like that right yes. and then this fresh element of herbs on top then the spiciness like the just a little bit of red pepper flake to kind of balance it all out it doesn't make it spicy but it's like it balances oh, it and then a shower of Pecorino Romano. So oh it could have been parm, but I have pecorino oh. right now. And then an orzo. I an love orzo, orzo and a big drizzle of olive oil. Like you feel like you're at a restaurant for a second because anytime yeah. you're finishing things off with olive yeah. oil and like a like yeah. a really grassy olive oil yes. or something. It's like almost like it's like golden green, so pretty. And I was this close to ordering takeout. And then I was like, just get get in gear. And I wouldn't normally like I actually don't believe in like putting a lot of pressure on yourself in the kitchen. But last night there's something that sometimes happens when you get over the hump like with anything and you're just oh I have this beautiful thing what if I just use it and it turned from not feeling like cooking at all into being I'm having the most fun in the kitchen yeah oh that's such a beautiful story there's something so satisfying about shelling beans personally I think that shelling beans is because to me, like looking at a bean pod, especially a cranberry bean pod, they're so pretty. And then it's like a work of art. So pretty. And then you have these sort of two piles. You have all the shells and all the beans at the end. You have something to show for your I time. took a picture of like the empty oh. pods and the shelled beans because it felt like so beautiful. <laughs> so sad. I mean, that that is this is the singular reason why I grow a lot of beans in my garden because I love to see them growing and I love to shell them. I love to look at I, they're so pretty. So I love. Well, it. this was so much fun. It's always, always. so great. Always. I'm going to go dip my citrus in chocolate. Again. I might have to do that too. <laughs> so great. It's a beautiful well, thing. I love you so much. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating. Happy cooking and eating.